and making sure your crotch looks nice. That means sipping cider in a fall breeze and using Manscaped products to trim your balls with ease. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped, a company here to make sure that your foliage isn't the only thing that's shedding its excess leaves. Heck, even Mother Nature knows it's time to lose the excess quarter for fall. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FUNDAY. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code FUNDAY. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. When you use code FUNDAY, Manscaped, clear out the leaves. It's your tree trunks time to shine. Welcome to Any Given Funday, brought to you by Manscaped. Joey Haas, Ray Osterhout, B. Molson in the cut like Neosporin. Ray's got a new mic. We're here. We're ready. Good afternoon. Good evening. Let's go. It's weird, too. It's a Thursday, which is a little late <clears throat> late in the week for us, but we had both, all had some busy schedules. Yeah. Uh, my first yeah. first day back with uh, our first week back with two jobs on the slate. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that la- the segment we just did that you guys are probably about to see in a few days on TikTok just took about all the air out of me. But Yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> that was fucking great. Um. Yeah, I have a new mic. Um. Thank you. You're welcome. This is this is awesome. I feel official, too official for myself. You know what I mean? I'm up and at him now. I'm just right in there. You're here. You guys. You're here. You guys yeah. are gonna know I'm here now. You can't sit back anymore. No, I can't. I You're, can't relax for you guys anymore. Well, you so know what? I did. I didn't do it for the for the microphone. I did it for the quality, or I did it for your posture rather. But wouldn't my posture be better like this? Uh maybe. I just wanted you to maybe. sit up straight. I'm sitting up straight. Now you're here. Yeah. Now I'm here. That's what I did. I didn't do it for anything else other than your posture. I appreciate that, man. You're this guy, this guy looks out for me day in day out. That's what I do. He's just a great guy. Thanks, dude. Don't flatter me. But uh, <laughs> welcome to any given fun day. Um, lots of stuff to talk about, right? Holy in the shit. time since we've last created a podcast, the Mets um, faltered. They won a game. They lost two games. They're out. Um, it's time for the offseason for those guys. They have a lot of question marks that they need to figure out. Uh, the Yankees, they started their series. They, they're playing the Guardians. Uh, they already played game one. Garrett Cole fucking shoved. Um, the Knicks have started their preseason, and we have uh, gotten into that, and we can see where they're at. Um, the Nets are playing. The Giants are 4-1. and one. Um, The Buffalo Bills are rolling. There is a lot to cover tonight. Uh the MILF man is back. That would be Mr. Zach Wilson. Better than ever. Uh, there's just there's a lot to unravel on this podcast today, and uh, I'm I'm ready to get after it. And before we do, uh, if I had to give you one guess at who just made made it three two for the Houston Astros over the Mariners, who would you guess that it was? Uh, I'm gonna guess Jordan. That was a good guess. That man is something else. Yeah, let me tell you what he is. I feel like really the Astros don't get talked about. 
a lot throughout the season because they're not <clears throat> you don't look at the roster and like have all the big names, you know, like the Dodgers and stuff like that, but holy shit, dude. Jordan is one of the one of the best hitters all around in the league. And what he's doing to the Mariners right now is just breaking hearts left and right from Seattle across the nation. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. everybody, and I mean, I think I can speak for everybody. Everybody's pretty much rooting against the Astros at this point, unless you're actually a Houston Astros. No, fan. fuck the Astros. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's nationwide, worldwide, whatever you want to call it, but wide. What? Just wide. Oh yeah. We like wide. Yeah, we sure do. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, he's just on a mashing terror right now like you thought you, you thought maybe seattle was gonna run away with game one clearly that didn't happen so they had the uh the script flipped on them from when they had to come back and then they got come come to back on i said that i just went there so hey yo yeah that was ugly but um <clears throat> that happens and uh sticking on baseball uh let's begin with the mets um fun fact to start off the conversation the Mets are now the first 100-win team uh, to fail to reach the division series since the division series was implemented in the year 1995. So that is it. That that explains the Mets season, I think, to a T. Uh, it was a letdown. It was a letdown, and, and I get it, Ray. And this can happen with any team. You played your worst baseball when it mattered, and that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes, and that's how it goes. Yeah, I think that's probably the thing that's going to sting the most is for the Mets fans, right? Is like you got to that point, you got to the wild. I mean, obviously, you give up, you give up the spot to the Braves, right, to be in the position. Because think of it this way: if you won the NL East, right, you're playing the Phillies right now. Which look, they've they've been testing the Braves very, very well. Don't get me wrong; they're playing really good baseball as anybody can in October. Don't get me wrong, but out of all the teams in the MLB right now who are still in the playoffs, who's the one team that you'd probably pick to face out of all of them? Probably be either the Guardians or the, uh, or the Phillies, right? Yeah. Be, just because of how, how ugly the Guardians looked hitting-wise um, in the wild card round. And then the Phillies, just because lack of experience, change head coach mid-year, or change manager hit mid-year. A lot of things not going right for them, but it just kind of stings in that aspect. And then also, like you said, to the 100-win um, point that you made, the other three times that they won 100 games in a season as a franchise, they lost in the World Series two times, and they at least made it to the NLCS. So this is the first time they didn't even at least make it to the divisional, or I'm sorry, to the championship series, a year that they won 100 games, which to Mets fans, you kind of look back <clears throat> at the season and everything, and it just feels like a huge letdown. Like there was so much talk around everybody this season. Uh, you know, DeGrom and Scherzer, we thought literally nobody could beat them, right? We thought 1-2, set. You're up 2-0 already. You got to win one more one more game in the in the DS and a couple more in the um in the championship series in the in the World Series, you know. So um, I I really don't know what to say. Everybody, it was it wasn't just really one guy I could point to and say it was their fault, right? It, obviously, baseball is a huge team effort game, um, but everybody in that final game just didn't show up, and it just kind of blew <clears throat> blew my mind over yeah. everything. And, you know, we could sit here and recap the series, but I, I'd rather take this uh, this stance on it, right? Like, where where do you go now? Like, if you're the Mets, where what's your next what's your next endeavor, right? Like, where where do you go now, right? Because you thought this was it, right? You you had the best roster you've had in a long time, right? You could argue this yeah, roster was better than when they won the World Series. Oh yeah, you have all the pieces. You now have. So many guys, important pieces to your baseball team now looming, right? So 
before we get into that, I did want to mention too, um, and, and, and you know, we can have this conversation, right? But I don't know if you if you saw what I what I sent you earlier. Was it the uh, the Musgrove thing? The Musgrove thing, <coughs> and and you know. Sorry, guys, we literally have been laughing so oh, hard. Oh, yeah, dude, I'm dead, Our too. voices are fucked right now. <laughs> so yeah. if you hear a shit ton of coughing or clearing our throat tonight, yeah. that's why. But just yeah. wanted to address that. Um, I don't know what to think of this, okay? It, maybe something comes out at a later time. I can tell you, I can tell you what, what, what it is, if you want. Well, or people why. people think they, you know, I think, yeah, let's hear it. it, it was, I, I believe, <clears throat> I believe it was Red Hot, what McCutcheon was talking about. I've had players or uh, teammates, I should say, previously um, more more when it was like really cold out because obviously playing in upstate New York, you know what I mean. You kind of use that sometimes just to forget about the about everything else around you when it's that freezing out. Um, and then another one was Tiger Bomb. So I, I honestly never touched it, never felt it, so I can't attest to if it was sticky or not or whatever it was. But I mean that 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 ump was pretty much inside of that man's ear. You know what I mean? And I know you. The one thing that you point out is the spin rates. Um, everything pretty much went up on it. That's what that's what significantly alarmed, too. alarmed a lot of people. His velo as well was up significantly on his pitches. And what that does is if you have more velocity on the ball, obviously oh, of your, course. your spin, spin rate, your spin sure, rate is gonna go sure, up. Sure, sure. So that was that was part of it. Um I think he was just amped up for a big game. And then he had also had something on top of it that was, you know, that literally dude, that literally just burns your fucking ears. Like it it might say that it will make you more locked in or whatever, but I mean, I never did it. Like I said, I just saw some some of my buddies do some crazy stuff. You know, obviously in the back in the uh, Mickey Mantle, Connie Mack days, uh, saw some pretty crazy shit, no, <laughs> to I, say the least. I so, I mean, that that's just personally what I think it was. It it could come out later that it wasn't. He could get blown up, but I mean, he's been that good all year. He's right? been good, but that was that was a hell of a oh hundred percent. Listen, and I and I like the Joe Musgrove, so like I'm not gonna sit here and hate on him, mm-hmm. but something is a little fishy. All right, and like. People have been throwing shade on the Buck Showalter situation, right? Like, oh, what would what should Buck Buck Showalter should he have done that? That wasn't that wasn't a class move, Ray. I I will stand by Buck until I turn bright blue. This guy did the right thing. Like your team, you're in a, dis, a deciding game, right? It's game three of the wild card series. You're getting pissed on, right? Like you can't you can't put anything together. Yeah, go out and do it. It's not an insult. You know the day and age that we play in, right? Like, it makes... I, I don't think it's an insult whatsoever. I think it's like, yo, we th- they thought that there might have been something going on. Yo, the spin... Like, we had we had right reason to go and say something. It's not an embarrassment on the franchise or anything. I don't think so. I think it's, hey, listen, if this guy's got a competitive edge, I want to, you know, I want to go see what's going on. It's not an insult. It's a game. I mean, also, it's kind of a compliment, right? I mean, the guy's pitching so good against it, you think he's fucking cheating, right? You know, it's it's another one of that aspect, too, for me. It's like, this guy is dominating your lineup so much, and they can't even touch him, slash you get on base, get a hit, whatever the case may be, because he's pitching that good tonight. Yes, some guys just have it that night, but obviously, like, like they said, Buck was getting info from other people, and he made the call, and what he said in the press conference was, I did what I thought was right for the Mets organization. He goes, I don't give a fuck how it makes it look on me. No, I don't care. How no, make that's it, the right make, move. Like uh, the organization or, or whoever. That call was on me, right? Like, that's I, the right I was move. Fed, I was fed all the info. I was the one who balled up, made the decision. And you know what? He's sticking to his guns, right? I mean, Musgrove, maybe it gave him a little bit more, <laughs> even more. But, the, I, you know, I don't see it as like a altering move that, that was a franchise deteriorating thing, right? I mean, 
What happens if he goes out there and he's fucking right? What the oh, fuck? Then, what he looks like, then? then he looks like a hero. Or what if it happens where he doesn't go? He doesn't check it, and then they find out after the game's over that he was that he had shit on him. Hundred percent, right? Like I would rather. Then, then it's over. Like then you can't you the, can't you, take you those can't innings undo back. Fucking time. Well, look at. I mean, Astros are still World Series champions. They cheated, right? Like yeah, and what, slap on the wrist, bro. Like that. That's what I'm saying. Is like we've already been down this road. Good move. And seen Good what move by Buck. We've Good seen move. what teams and players are willing to do for a World Series championship. We see baseball is arguably one of the toughest places to go. Go a back to back, but b win a world like win a championship. Because it's just so unpredictable about getting hot at the right time. Doesn't matter if you have one great player. You need nine guys plus a pitcher plus a bullpen to show up to the field for what twenty something games, probably right, depending on where you start. But get fifteen to twenty wins, basically in a month span, right? Not an easy thing to do. Bucks down in the trenches. It's sixth inning. You kind of got to make a call and, and try and get something to work, something to fire your team up, something to get. It going, you know what I mean? What if he just sat there and did nothing? We would have just been talking about how Buck Showalter sat there and did nothing. No, nah, I, I can't. I can't sit here and, and listen to baseball fans and and sports fans and Mets fans, anybody, right? Like even the broadcasters say that that Buck was in the wrong, bro. I can't listen to it because this guy went out and just defended his team, and and that's that takes a lot of balls, right? And like, it, it's it's just unfortunate that people are turning it into something it's not. We live in a day and age where we literally saw the, like, and I hate to keep going back to it, the Houston Astros banging on trash cans and cheating. And then we went through the substance thing. We went through the spider tag. We went through all that stuff. This is the reality of baseball now. So if you can't fucking accept that this is the reality and that there are things, there's substances that can make players perform better, you need to be, you need to open your eyes. You need to open your third eye to it and say, okay, this is a part of the game. And these guys sneak it in. It doesn't it doesn't matter how many times an umpire comes and does this. All right, yeah, come on, check it out. Because it was on his ear, right? Like whatever it was was on his ear. And there's a video yeah, out there of him it. going like this. You know what I mean? And there it goes. It's gone. Now it's on your jersey. What are you gonna do? Rub? My, you gonna come over and check yeah. my shirt? Well, the, you sniff it. Yeah. So you saw. I'm Fuck sure that. you saw the. I'm sure you saw the John Boy thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was basically like you said. He kind of went like that. Rubbed. It looked like he rubbed some of it off. But what he also said was. He wasn't going to, you know, the leg or going to going to the ear after or after he got a new ball, which is which is the main thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, listen. like you said, there, there's there's 100 questions about it, but it's done and over with now. There's nothing you can do. You nothing can go back on it. They deemed it so now. At least in that sense, <clears throat> right? It's on. It's on the umpires, right? It's not in Buck Showalter. It's not in no. looking at it from a man, no. managerial standpoint's hand. Because even look at it, right? We think about the Astros and their run to the World Series ring, Joe. There's video of the White Sox realizing that something is going on, right? There's multiple videos of, of them hearing the trash cans being banged and nothing is done about it. And nothing's done about it. Like, I just don't know. Like, we, we don't even sit here and talk about that at all. I don't hate the move at all. And, like, that's, that's, the, that's the moral of the story. And I think you're the same way. Yeah. There's no... Anybody who says, like, that's an embarrassment to the franchise, well, then switch teams. Right, like there was no, I'd be more no embarrassed. I'd be more embarrassed that you you showed your team showed up and you had one hit. I'd be more Personally. embarrassed if he didn't do it and he came out in the presser after and he was like, "Oh, somebody told me not to do it because it would, you know." But that's just not who Buck is. To no, he, uh, he's going to do he what just the fuck he up wants. And, and, and like said, I said, yeah, I'm going to go do this. He he doesn't give a shit what the media thinks of him, or you know, what I mean, he cares about winning games, 
and and being a leader and being a good coach, no, good manager. I love it. To, not regarding on what the media thinks at all. I love it. I love the move. Uh, but moving on, um, and and I did have some other things in here about the Mets, but we can move on from them from now, uh, just because we have a lot I want to talk about. And we have a long off season ahead of us for the Mets. True. So we'll get to it. Um, but moving over, staying in baseball, we'll move over to the New York Yankees. Uh, 1-0 in the series behind a dominant performance with Garrett Cole. Uh, 4-1 to win. And it was uh, it was from unlikely contributors for the most part. And it was a good game. It was a very interesting game. And, and really, um, we could do a little bit of a breakdown from it. And we can it, let's do that to start. And then I want to get into a point that I really want to make um, about this game and just, you know, going forward. But, uh, this is it. This was a, uh, this wasn't your usual regular degular, uh, expect the Yankees to go out and hit five home runs and do this. And it was strategic baseball. It was a clutch hit from Anthony Rizzo. It was a spark by Harrison Bader. It was a dominant pitching performance by Garrett Cole. It was overcoming adversity for Garrett Cole. And it was, uh, it was just an overall good team win, right? It wasn't on the shoulders of one guy, and that's that was the most impressive uh, thing for me with that Yankees win. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing that I just said too, right? Is you know you can't just have one guy go out there hit three hit three fifty with a couple of home runs and expect to win a World Series, right? It's got it's got to come from everybody. Look at the Braves last year; every single series, every single game that they played, it was it was somebody different, somebody else stepping up to the plate, getting the call, making the play. And that's that's really how it how it happens, right? Like the, people make their name in the postseason. That's that's, that's how it what, is. That's, that's how it is, and that's how it happens. Sure. So that's why you know we think about players and how good they are. We look at their postseason stats. We look at how good they can well, be. It's because of opportunity, right? Like right when you're given limited opportunity, how can you take advantage of them? Well, and and the other thing too is you know these are the best ten whatever however many teams. These are the best however many teams. The top cream of the crop hitters that you're going to be going facing against every single night. Lineups, right? yeah. lineups, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. So. um that's another thing about it too is like how how are you against the best you you know we know you can do it against you know the A's and the and the um and the Angels and, and the lower and the bottom tier teams of baseball right so for Garrett Cole I think this was really big for him especially to start off huge, the postseason like huge. this because what was what what did I say you guys are gonna win a World Series if Garrett Cole is a good pit, uh, is a great pitcher is your number one looks like your number one and he started off the right way he did uh, and. You know, just to touch on Garrett, man, I mean, like, that was... Big jam again. It was out of. scary. It was scary at one point because he started off well, and you sit there, if you're a Yankees fan or you're a baseball fan, and you're sitting there in the second inning, you're saying, Garrett Cole's going to get out of here in four innings. He's got 40 pitches through two innings, 45 pitches through two innings. This guy's fucked. And Garrett Cole just turns it, into a, uh, turns it on to a different level, and next thing you know, he goes six solid with eight strikeouts. And you're like, wow, he just did that. And... Yes, there was a little bit of doubt and there was a little bit of hurt when Stephen Kwan took him took him yard, but that's Garrett Cole, right? That's what the grit Limit those. That's, that's all, and, all and, and, and also too, like that is what I've seen now, <clears throat> excuse me, from great pitchers is great pitchers throw ninety five percent great pitches and it's just for some strange reason, Ray, and I don't know why. But when they make a mistake, it's always 100% of the time taken advantage of. Yeah. And that's Garrett Cole. And that's all other great pitchers in baseball, too. Like the Verlander's game won against the Mariners. You throw 95% great pitches, but that 5% that you fuck up on, well, every time a hitter's going to take advantage of that. And I don't know why. I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason to it. But that was what I saw from Garrett. I thought he 
bared down. It got a little scary. He hit the guy right after he gave up the, you're like, oh shit, here we go. It's going to, it's, you know, it's just going to start to avalanche on us. And he stopped it and he had bases loaded one out and Josh Donaldson makes a great play, throws it home. And he, you know, it's just, it's the veteran move, right? Like it, it was just, it was smart baseball. It was great gloves for the most part, I think from our corner infield, right? Anthony Rizzo played a great first base, Josh Donaldson played a good third base. Um, and the one thing, too, that I really want to highlight here before we get into what, uh, you know, the main point of the game um, was Harrison Bader, right? Everybody had their thoughts about Harry Bades coming into this. Like, what what was the, why give up Montgomery? Why do this? And if you go back and look at it and you look at the pressers right after that trade, it's all, okay, this is going to be a guy that can impact the postseason, both with his glove and give us some clutch at-bats. And it took me a second to realize that, but in the postseason, you you have three starters, right? We have three true starters right now. We have Garrett Cole, we have Nestor, and we have Luis Severino. There was no fourth starter for there was no Jordan Montgomery, right? And I get it; it would have helped, but who's going to be able to make more of an impact in the postseason? That guy in center field that's flying around and then comes and jolts the team and gives them some life in the third inning there, and really you know sparks the Yankees win. Um, Bader, was he the, was he not the spark plug of that game? He was. And the thing I'll say about him too, man, I truly, I, I'd love In him. a sick love. I love him. Yeah, I really great. do. He's like, great. I hate saying that I love a Yankee, but I think of him as a Cardinal. So that's what I'm sticking with. Um, but I don't know if you also saw the post game presser. I, I mean, the guy's just absolute class, man. You know, he gets He's asked about, yeah. he gets asked about, how do you feel right knowing and seeing that Jordan Montgomery is doing things, doing such great things over with the Cardinals and how much pressure does that put on you? And are you thinking about that? And you can go out and you can say, Oh no, like but he was straight up. He was like, Oh yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's caught on my mind. And like, you know, I want to prove myself here. I want to prove myself to this team. I want to prove myself, you know, to my family and, and why I get to put on this Jersey every day. You know what I mean? It's class it, guy. It, it's just one of those things where like you look at it and, and, you like to still see that there are guys like that in the league who aren't just arrogant, cocky, and you know, which you can be, right? You, you've made it to the major leagues 100%, but you know, to have that 1% of a well, guy it's just like still him, the prove it mentality. How can I go out and get better? How can I prove, how can I keep proving myself yeah. even when I'm at the highest and that, level? And, and that's, that's Harrison Bader. And that's why I love Dustin Pedroia so much, right? I mean, just guys are that guys are like that, right? And that's why I looked up to Altuve before the whole Astros thing, right? It's just because the smaller guys always get, you know, shit on, said they can't make it. I guarantee you your whole life. And then they they get there and they finally prove themselves, especially in the biggest moments. And you go out and you win MVPs, you win Rookie of the Years. You know, you make you have clutch hits in the postseason to help your team go on and win a World Series, stuff along those lines. It's it's huge, right? And to us, right, casuals, it, it, we don't know the feeling. We really don't. And to them, they make it out like it's almost a natural thing. You know what I mean? Obviously, it feels good in the moment, but we never really f- get to see what it feels like. So um, I think he's just raw emotion, and, and he's definitely a big spark plug for the Yankees. And you talk about a guy that proves it, right, and that wanted to prove it, and that's Mr. Aaron Judge. And the, my biggest takeaway, right, right, there was obviously a great Bader performance. There was Garrett Cole coming out and proving himself in the playoffs, right? These are big things, right? Um, the number one thing for me to pull away from game one of the Yankees uh, win against the Guardians is the fact that Aaron Judge went 0 for 3 with a walk and three strikeouts and that team was able to win a playoff game mm-hmm. and not have to rely on him. And I think 
I can't speak for the whole the whole series. I can't speak for the whole postseason. But right now, that is something that is definitely looming in Aaron Judge's mind. Wow, my team was able to go out and do it when the lights were the brightest, when the pressure was fucking on, and I didn't have my best game. I, by God, I had an awful game. And yes, he did impact the you know when he had the steal and then the, the pass ball got over to third, ended up scoring a run on the Rizzo homer. But if you're if you're a Yankees fan and you're looking past past this season, right? We're looking to the off season, and you're or if you want to look at the rest of the series, whatever perspective you want to take, that's huge. If you're if you're somebody who wants to keep Aaron Judge around, um, because. That that's what you want, right? If you're judge, you want to say, "Hey, can the rest of my team go out there and perform when I have a bad night? And can we put a W? Uh, can we get a win, right? When I'm not playing good baseball?" And I think that was the biggest statement for me. It was my pitcher pitched great, my fielders played great, my hitters showed up, and we were able to win a baseball game. And I stunk. It was a team element the whole game, and that that's something that, like you said, judge the whole year has been kind of you know he can go three for four with a couple home with a home run and four RBIs in a game, and they'd still lose ten four. You know, it's just one of those things that would happen throughout the season. So it's like when it gets to the postseason, is it going to be the same thing? Are things going to actually change for me? What type of team am I dealing with? What type of team am I playing with? Right. Are they just looking to me to get the pace rolling? And if I don't, we're just shit and we can't score. So can somebody pick me up? Right. And that was the biggest thing, too, Ray, was I just remember vividly. And if if things go the way that I want them to the rest of the season, and in, in, in the offseason, whatever, I will look back at that and say that definitely played a role. When it was the eighth inning of that game, and the next three hitters coming up to bat were Harrison Bader, Aaron Judge, and Rizzo to lead off the next inning. And there was a graphic showing before they went to a TV commercial of Bader one for three with a home run, Judge 0 for two with two strikeouts and a walk at the time, Anthony Rizzo with a home run. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And you, you're going to look at that and you're going to say, wow, like, he was pancaked between two guys that had home runs. That's a pick me up, right? Like that's a, all right, man. Hey, like I got you, I got you. And that, and that's, that was my biggest pull away. I mean, obviously Garrett Cole coming out and showing up in the postseason is amazing. It's great. It's heartwarming, but that's what we expect from Garrett Cole. hundred percent. And it's kind of the same thing when you look at it on the opposite side, just to go real quick off, off the Astros, right? Like I said, with, with Verlander struggling in his first game or with having basically a Cy Young, if he is in the Cy Young, um, a Cy Young type season, right? Going out, getting hit around, gets out of the game early. His team comes back, rallies around him. And who's the guy most excited first out of the dugout when Jordan hits that home run last night? I mean, Justin Verlander was more fired up than I think I'd ever seen him in my life last night when Jordan hit that home run. So um, just to go off of that, you like you hate to say it, but I mean, the Astros are a winning team regardless, right? They've been in the, the championship series, at least in the World Series, you know, many of the past five to six years. So um, they are still a winning franchise, and I think something to take away from it, you know, obviously you don't want to take away too much from cheaters, but that's one thing that I look at, and I think, you know, they do have that element of next man up mentality. No, the Yankees good, had that last team. year. Fuck them, though. The, yeah, right. The, they had that last year, but it, then it was kind of a question, could they do it with their stars, right? Instead of instead of them just getting down a dump, getting in a divot, and saying, can we get out of this, right? Do we need Aaron Judge to dig us out. Like, No. Whoever comes up to the plate is going to get us out of that slump, get us out of that, and put us back, bring us back in the game, right, and make us competitive all the way through. So, um, definitely a big thing that they needed to see. I think, especially in game one, right. I think it's a good start for them, and we'll see how it goes. Moving on to the rest of the series, uh, the Yankees, <clears throat> excuse me, um, are they obviously they got rained out today, 
uh, this evening. So they will play um, tomorrow, Friday, uh, at 1 o'clock. And just looking at the rest of the series, right? Uh, it's an extra day of rest for both teams, uh, which is good and bad for both. Um, but Nestor's going to be on the mound game too. Uh, I'm very confident in him. I think he's ready for his... Right, because this is different than any other appearance that Nestor's ever had, right? This is the biggest one of his career so far. And uh, what's one thing that I've said time and time again when it comes to Nestor? Uh, this guy doesn't. This guy has a certain poise to him. He doesn't get rattled. Uh, so I expect big things from him. I do. I think he's going to come out and set the tone again. And uh, expectations uh, and just ways to, to get through this Guardians team is to, you know, allow them to hit the ball, right? Like, I think that they can, like, let your fielders field. Like, that's what Nestor Cortez is known to do. He's not this big strikeout guy. He's, the ball gets put in play, let your fielders make plays. On the hitting side, um, you're going to face Bieber. You've gotten a Bieber before. I'm not, I'm not scared of him. I'm not, I, I, we've gotten to him in big games before too. It's not like we just got to him in, you know, the middle of July. We've gotten to him in big games. Uh, so I think we can jump on him again. I expect, I know for a fact, Aaron Judge is going to go 0 for 3 with three strikeouts again. Uh, that's the MVP. And it, it seems to me, Ray, like if the Yankees, it, it just, it looks to me, I guess, is you, if you're the Guardians, you had a golden opportunity to jump on the Yankees and steal game one at home behind an Aaron Judge 0 for 3. A John Carlos Stanton going whatever he did. He walked once. Glaber had a bad game, right? Like that was the time where you got to jump on the, on the Yankees' throats and say, "Hey, like your your best players aren't performing. Now's our chance to really jump on you." You're not going to get those same games, at least from Aaron Judge and Glaber. Like they're too good of hitters. So I guess for me, it's play the same game, and and you there's no reason you can't win this series. Like you, you're not going to get another performance like that from Judge, and like Judge is the fuel of our offense. Yeah, I mean, what what I'll say is, I really think that Game Two is the biggest game of the series uh, for the Yankees. I, I think that you go out if the Guardians go out and they get to nest early, you get to the bullpen. This is a long four days. If this game, if this goes five games, right? You got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, four games back to back, along with travel. If this thing goes the distance, and that's the one thing I look at right now is, you know, the Yankees need to put this away. And I think game two is where you put the dagger in. Shane Bieber, their best pitcher, goes out. And you have a, a very good pitcher in Nestor Cortez as your number two. And you need him to, A, at least get five to six innings to make sure that that bullpen is good for the weekend. So you're not well, They're going to let him throw the it. baseball a lot. No, I know. But they're I'm, let saying, him go. I'm yeah. saying that even, but what if he gets hit around or something like that, like I'm not saying he has to be perfect, but yeah. you know, three runs through five, three runs through six. That I'm, that's all I'm asking. That's all I'm saying that, th- that what they need to win and to really secure this series, because if you can go out and you can be, sh- you can have Shane Bieber come into Yankee stadium and walk out with a win right against your number two. I think that's the series over, right? We saw, I think in game one, we didn't get to see the Guardians go on the road. They had three straight games at home. This is a still a very young team um, that doesn't have a lot of playoff experience. And I think game one was kind of the jitters. You go up and you face Garrett Cole into the bright lights in a stadium that's rooting against you instead of for you. It's a lot to it's a lot to take in, right? Um, Beaver's a guy that's been there before. He, he knows how to deal with it. He knows what to do. So I think that this is the key swing game because 
if I'm if I was a Yankees fan, genuinely, if I was, and this game, you go you go back to Cleveland, one one, I'm scared as fuck. And the only reason I'm saying that is because you look at both bullpens and you look at both pitching staffs, and you're deeper on the Cleveland side, and you're playing four games in four days potentially. And that for me is especially if Nestor goes out and only gets two two and a third three innings like tomorrow. It's a worrisome sign, so I think that's why right now, game two, put it in the coffin, put it to bed, it's over, yeah. have it, have yourself put it, put fully yeah. staffed, fully a hundred percent ready to go battle the Astros, most likely, right? Yeah, that yeah. that that's your that's your ideal situation instead of especially even if the you know getting game if if you went game five with the Guardians, right? You burn everybody. You got and then Cole you back on the bump too. Yeah, but a then confident you, one, right? But then you don't have a bullpen yeah. going into the Astros, and you, we know we all know about how how deep that Astros bullpen is. If one of the top two, top three in the league, right? So um, this is a, this is a big not just for this series. I'm just saying for the rest of the run in general. Yeah, put your foot and put your foot on the gas and really jump on them. And the last thing that I'll say, uh, which I think is really a key to victory for the Yankees, and in, in especially in this series, uh, is jump on. Uh, Jump on them early, right? Because if you get down and you have to start going through and facing their setup and you have to get to class A and you have to crawl back, you're not going to. Yeah. Right. That, you need to jump thing. on them early. And that's what we saw with game one, right? Is, you know, McClanahan went out there and he had a great game. They both had one mistake, right? McClanahan's just happened to be one more run. So, you know, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a battle. But like I said, I think the biggest thing is definitely getting necessary through the first four or, five, or at least five, six innings, getting to your bullpen. Hoping to get a decent lead so you don't have to burn your, your top guys and have those guys in case you need them in game three, game four, and game five if necessary. You know, if you're the if you're the Guardians too, <laughs> dude, they've faced <laughs> they faced McClanahan, Glass now. Um who was the game three starter for the or no, didn't even no, it didn't even go to game three. Yeah, it did. They no. split. No, they they faced only two pitchers, right? Yeah. Cole. Mm-hmm. And now you got Nestor. So you faced arguably four all stars. Yeah, like this is there. I f- I feel for them. I do. I mean, they're facing my team, so I'm not going to be like, oh, you know. But <laughs> yeah, you don't feel too much. But you, but you like, got, yeah. dude, like you, you guys are facing McClanahan, who could be a Cy Young. Glass now, who's proven he can be a Cy Young. Garrett Cole, who's proven he can be a Cy Young, and Nestor Cortez, who's having his breakout year, and he has some of the best stuff in baseball right now. And like I said, I mean, look, you look at some of the guys that are fucking coming to the bats for the Guardians, and they got 50 at-bats in the entire season. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, hitting the, he's, he's in the baseball, well, don't get me wrong, but, you know, young, young guys play a factor in this. Having no experience can either be good or it can be bad. You look at what the Mariners are fucking doing over there. I mean, yeah, they're losing right now, but, I mean, they're showing heart. They're showing grit. They're showing they're not a team that should be under the radar and not be talked about. You know what I mean? So um, a lot of people even that I I've, I saw had the Guardians win the series just because of pitching depth. And like I said, if I I agree, if it gets to five and we get four games in a row, it's going to get scary. And not saying that it's, you know, the death sentence for the Yankees. But like I said, just going forward, game two tomorrow night in Yankee Stadium, you go up to uh all right, so give me. Uh, let's close out this Yankees conversation. Game two prediction. What do you got and why? Um, I really do love Bieber, um, but I think I think honestly, Nestor at home is is too much. I, I don't. I think that they really go and deal with it. If I'd seen some some type of hitting right from the Guardians in the in three games, I haven't. Right, they have four runs in three games. 
So, I mean, that's worrisome to me. And, um, you know, if the Yankees are able to use their best arms out of the pen, if they need to in a close game, um, I think it's kind of clips because they, they've shown that they can't really hit anybody. Like you said, they can't hit the fastball. Um, and they don't have a lot of guys throwing slow, so this is going to be their game to get on them with a guy with Nestor who he still throws hard, but it's sneaky hard. You know what I mean? Gets it's on sneaky quick, hard. It's deceiving. It's it's all the different arm arm yeah, angles that it, he uses. It's not Garrett Cole ninety fucking seven though. Glasnow ninety eight and fucking you know McClanahan ninety eight. Yeah, we're talking ninety two, right? ninety three. Yeah, uh, but so, he can spot and he can he throws you off. Yeah, yeah. That's but, this, but like I said, this this would be the game because then then you're going home with Cleveland. You got McKenzie against probably uh, Savvy, right? That's another hardball thrower. So, I um I'm I, I'd like to uh I'd like to side with the Yankees here too. Um, I think, I I think we've already once and Ray, you know, back me up on this. Once you know that you can hit a great pitcher, like if you've already like say you've already had at bats against a, a great pitcher, right, and you know that you you can see his stuff now, that gives you the upper hand. And I think the other thing too is like I said. Your your one through five is not going to have as bad of a one through five as they had. That was a lower lower part of the lineup game, right? And it could have been even better if if Donaldson's ball trickled off the you know the other way. But I, I just don't see another bad game from Aaron Judge. I don't see another awful game from Stanton. I think we can get at bats from Carpenter. Uh, I think Glaber Torres has a hit or two, and I, I just see us jumping on them again. I, I really do. I just don't see bad games from our best hitters again. So I'm going to have to side with the Yankees. Like I I said, if, if, if I saw, if I saw a guardian lineup that put up seven or eight in a game or something like that, I might have a different story to tell you, but as of right now, they can't they, hit. They haven't shown me that they can hit. Um, it's basically Jose Ramirez and the, and the Brady bunch at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I think also too, to your point, you look at what the Padres did against Scherzer, right? Even with the ground, you know, they get home runs off them. They get the long ball and they make them pay for those mistakes. You look at what they did, right? Against Quantrill. That's really the, you know, they've, they manufactured a couple runs, but then that dagger, right, is a home run ball. That's what we've, we've been seeing all postseason. That's been the thing that's really turned these series around. And we haven't really seen many games that are gritty, you know, just besides that, uh, besides the Cardinals Phillies game um, in game one. But other than that, it's been pretty much the long ball. So I'm going with the Yankees at, at home. I like that. Uh, Astros score is three to two in the bottom of the eighth. So, Fuck, bro. Looking like they're. They, I want to go. I want to see him go back to Seattle. One one. That'd be nice. I want to see. That'd it. be nice. Uh, but moving forward here, let's jump over to hoop. We have uh, so less than a week until um tip here. It's yeah. uh, it's it's time for um, it's time for basketball. Uh, but kind of weird to say, isn't it? Nick's opening game is just so I don't fuck this up. Nick's opening night. We are. Going to sorry. <laughs> Regular season tips off the nineteenth. So six days from today. The Knicks will kick off their season um away against the Grizzlies. Ray, we will obviously talk a lot of Knicks throughout the season. Um and we'll talk a lot of Nets throughout the season. Let's uh let's do this. Let's predict where they're gonna finish and we'll give a, a, a beginning of the season. We'll give a middle of the season when it's the middle of the season, and then we'll give an end. You know, like, okay, this is where they actually ended. Uh, but it, I think it'll be fun to give our predictions of where we think the Knicks are really going to finish uh, based on everything. And I'll give you a couple bright spots that I saw from the Knicks as well um, with, you know, what I saw last night. They did lose to the Pacers in the preseason, but I did see some good stuff. Um, 
RJ Barrett looks like he's taking it to another level. And I get it's a small sample size, but they look different. This next team looks different. And I'll give it to you. I'll give you, and you know, I, I, I'll hand it to you here. Uh, what's his name? Jalen Brunson looks like a fucking really good point guard. And he looks like he's like poised and runs a good offense. And I didn't think he had it in him to be like a, like a true point guard because his assist numbers haven't been that crazy. But Tibbs is kind of just like, yo, you're our point guard. Go do the thing. And there's way more passing in this Knicks offense. There's way less isolation. And it's like, yo, get the ball to the open guy. Uh, here's a couple, you know, kind of possessions for Randall, a couple possessions for RJ. Uh, but for the most part, it, it, this team, this team looks like they're ready to find the open guy, make the next, make the extra pass. And this is things that, you know, you really haven't been able to do in the past when you had uh, your post guy, Julius Randall running the point, you know, per se running the point. So I don't know, man. I don't know what to think of this next team. I'll say this. The reason you didn't know that Jalen Brunson was a actual point guard is like Luca. Yeah. yeah. Well, not even that. It's just because he was in the shadows playing that role as a traditional point guard before Luca got injured. And then once Luca did get injured, he kind of came out of the shadows and was like, okay, I'm here. Like I can, I can, I know I can do this. Obviously I just got to get my star player, my shots, but if my time comes, I'm going to be ready for it. You know, he's just that type of, He's that type of player, and um, you know I will miss him. I, w- I will say that, but I look at the other teams, and dude, the East is just so fucking stacked this year. Like it really is. Um, and I don't know how to feel about them either. I think that they could surprise and maybe make like I, I guess. Why don't we go with maybe their ceiling and their floor? You want to do that, or you want to just say, that. or you want to just say where you think they'll finish? Because I got them at ten, eleven. If I'm, uh, if I would I'm, like to say I have if, them at ten, nine or ten. Yeah, I'll go nine or ten. Because um, I mean, like you, you look at the Eastern yeah. Conference, right? And I'll just roll through them: Philly, better; Miami, better; Chicago, better; Cleveland, better; Cleveland. Boston, better; Atlanta, better; Toronto, Toronto better; yes, um, Brooklyn, better; Milwaukee, better. And then, so that's nine right there. And then the the question mark is Washington. Yeah, I think the next one is Washington. And you still have and you still have Charlotte with Lamella. And obviously lost bridges, but um you know. I, I'll I'll lean towards the Knicks are probably the nine or ten. I think that's where what's their ceiling? I think their ceiling is maybe a, a, a six seed. I was just gonna say that. I think I wouldn't go any any higher any than higher that because than that. there's there's <clears throat> there's really five teams that are locked in, I think, at the top five of, of the East, and that's in any in any given order, right? Milwaukee's gonna be there. Um, Miami's going to be there. Philly's going to be there. Boston's going to be there. And to me, it, it's a it's a toss up between five and six with Cleveland and Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, I don't know who fit who fits where, uh, but Cleveland. Don't forget, like they're a really good basketball team. Uh, so I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll go seven for the Knicks. I'll go seven seven is their ceiling. Uh, and obviously, they could finish. They could finish. You know, what close we're to getting last. at is either they're going to be a playing team this year or they're going to be another year of disappointment. But I think that this has got to be a year where we see some just development, right? We we've actually, you know what? I I know I what you know. I know I know what you want to get to. So let's get to that first because who right? Who's the player that we think is the most important this year? That the Nick that for the Knicks, right? Whether it's development, whether it's who you want to see turn from something to a star, whether it's you want to see, you know, you want to see Brunson get better. You want to see Randall get better. You want to see um, RJ get better. You want to see um, Mitchell Robinson get better, right? Like who do you think is the biggest key piece 
that you would want to see as a Knicks franchise, as a Knicks fan, and you're like, that's our guy. That needs He needs to be the one to pop off this year. Unpopular, popular take here, Obi Toppin. Okay, I didn't even say Obi him, Toppin. Like it. Don't forget, he was a what? What pick in the draft was he? Seven, he was eight? Pretty, yeah, it was pretty early. Maybe nine. Confirm that with me. What exactly? What number he was in the draft? I want to say Obi Toppin fell seventh to the New York Knicks. That sounds right. Maybe a maybe eleventh. What was he? Pick eight. Pick eight. Okay, so he was right there. That's a high pick, right? Like that is not a. That's not taken lightly. If you have the basketball team that you have and it stays exactly the same, right? Julius Randle is still one of your best scorers. R.J. Barrett's still where he is. Jalen Brunson. If you take their, their exact stat lines and you just put them in and you say, okay, this is what you're going to get from this guy, this guy, this guy, blah, blah, blah. If Obi Toppin comes out and plays good basketball and he 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 levels up one, once or twice here, I mean, that that is the X factor for my team because he can come off the bench and he can be like a six-man-of-the-year candidate. He's a dark horse for me, honestly. And, you know, I get he's showtime, but can you actually be a contributor on an Can you be more than just the dunker? Can you be more than, a, you know, a Derek White or whatever? You know, like those dudes that go out there and just, you know, wham and, and boom, bang. You know, like, yeah. I don't care. I don't care. Can you go out there and, and contribute and, and, and add something to this basketball team? It seems like he's gotten better, and it seems like the Knicks are more in on giving him minutes. If he comes out and he plays good basketball, man, that I think he's the X factor of the team. I really do, because if he's that one guy that you can, that can come off the bench and really fucking impact the basketball game on both sides of the floor, we're talking about a different Knicks team. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go like that for the Nets with mine because I already know who I got for them. But for the Knicks, for me personally, it, it has to be RJ Barrett. Right, I mean, you look at the guys he was drafted with, with Zion and John Moran right in front of him. You look at those two franchises, right? You think about what the Grizzlies have. You think about what the Pelicans are building. They thought that they had the same thing with 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 RJ in New York. And I'll say this: Memphis really doesn't have that much more than the Knicks. If you look at roster wise, like when you when you put when you break it down, right? I just feel like. When Ja was, was first drafted there, we didn't know what to expect from him. We thought he was going to be good, but we didn't know he was going to break the league, right? We didn't know he was going to get this team to this level, maybe even be talking about being a t- like a title contender, right, in his first couple seasons, while the Knicks are still sitting back in the 10-11 seed spot that we're talking about. And he's got some guys around that are pretty damn good at basketball. But what's the biggest thing, right? He helped Jackson take a step. All those young guys around him, it was because Ja... Desmond Bain, right? You look at just everybody around him. He's making them better, and they're able to do it without him, right? That's the biggest thing is then you add him in, and it makes them that much better. So I just think it has to be this year has to be the step for RJ to say, this is going to be my team going forward. I'm here for the long run. You sign the deal, right? You're going in. Make a statement. Give us give Knicks fans something to think about and something to cheer about. You don't have many excuses left with the team that you have right now. And I'm not saying their bench is you know perfect or anything of that matter. And I know you're in a loaded Eastern Conference, but I think there's definitely some teams that you can be better than. Oh yeah. And I think if you finish in a starting six, with Atlanta, uh, yeah. And I think if you finish in a seven spot, right? You th- I think you could probably be better than the Raptors. You could probably be better. You could definitely be better than you know. The, the Wizards and the Hawks. Yeah, and, and, and I the, think that's a team that you that like that I could see the bar being set near is, is the Hawks, right? Yeah. A, a similar a similar team. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think it's just it's time that we see it, and if not, 
you know, his his stats, he's he took more shots per game last year and he only averaged a point more. Right. I think we just I just need to see more production and more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Efficiency. Um, efficiency. Thank you. Yeah. More efficiency out of RJ, because that's just something that the Knicks need and something in a positive direction to make to let us know that they're going on the right track with their organization for the first time in, in how many fucking years? Um, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I just wanted to kind of get away from the RJ. I, yeah, I know. I know I need to see more from RJ. Well, who, that's why I'm, I'm going to leave the one to you. because I know I already know who your player is. I'm pretty sure we're talking about for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Uh, before we hop into him, I just want to ask you just so we can get it. With all that being said, where do you think the Knicks finish? Not their ceiling, not their not their floor. What is the what is your final prediction right now? For where the Knicks finish, I really want to say like seven, eight, but I'm going to stick with ten, eleven. I think that they could even ten or eleven. Yeah, I think that's that's probably where it's going to be. I think the Knicks finish ninth. I'll say ninth. Okay. That's my final prediction. Moving over to the other side of the city, we're talking about the Nets and high expectations. Right, it was a roller coaster of an off season for those guys. They find themselves back in the same situation with an improved roster, though. I will say that um, and. We're talking about who's the one guy you need to see something from this year. Uh, the X factor, I guess, for for this Brooklyn Nets team. It could go a few different directions. It, it really could. Uh, I, I think it's Ben Simmons. And I think that's very fair. I, I don't think it's your it's boy, not man. a question. Yeah, I, That's why I looked, I looked other directions. I knew where you were going. I had that vibe from you. It's Ben Simmons, right? Yeah. If, if Ben Simmons can come out and play like the Ben Simmons of, of Philadelphia with him and Embiid, running the show. I mean, we're talking about a, a very potent, um, a very, very potent Brooklyn Nets team. Uh, there was a video last night of Ben Simmons getting absolutely fucking bullied by Giannis last night in the post, uh, where he kind of digs his shoulder into him once and Ben Simmons goes flying. And that's, that is what I need to see. Uh, not, well, not what I need to see, but it's Ben Simmons on the defensive side of the basketball. That's where he is going to make the biggest impact. Can you take, the best player on said team and guard them. It doesn't matter who it is, right? But if it's the LeBrons, if it's the Giannis's, if it's the whoever, right? Give 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 the best score, the Kawhis, the Paul Georges, whoever it is. Can you guard them and can you lock them down? Can you give extra possessions of empty buckets to Kyrie and KD and yourself to to really, you know, give yourself a chance? Can you come in and be the defensive defensive impact you you need to be? Yeah, and let me let me just say this on your Giannis point real quick. Like nobody stop nobody's fucking nobody stopping, can stop him. But right. I think honestly, last night Ben Simmons did a very good job of making him not get into a rhythm, and I think that's the biggest thing with those star players and those those guys that are especially like Giannis that's going to bully you, try and bully you down low and stuff like that. But there was a couple possessions in a row where you know, but where Giannis tries to back him down, tries to get into his chest. And Simmons stands his ground, forces a bad shot, makes him miss like two or three shot attempts, make him makes him pass the ball up four or five times. It's looking at the little things, right? You can easily sit there, and obviously the media is going to take it out of proportion and, and and dig it at those guys, especially when they're at their lowest of their low, right? But from what I've seen from Ben Simmons so far is, you know, his steel his steel ability is great. It's going to lead to a lot of transition with this Nets team, and if they if these guys can stay fully healthy, 
it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun team to watch. It's gonna be a fun team, and that's well, and that's the biggest thing. Health and can they mold? Yeah, and, and the biggest thing for me, I think, is I, I watched their. I believe it was their first game. Um, who was it? Yeah, against the Heat. Um, because it, just because it was on ESPN, I watched the first half of it. Pretty much when the stars were playing. Um, obviously they didn't have Kyrie, they didn't have Joe Harris, they didn't have Seth Curry. However, there was Ben Simmons and um and KD out there. And um, you know, let, let me just say that that team just looks afraid to shoot the basketball unless it's Kevin Durant. And that that was the one thing that worries me is I think that these guys, right, just because of all of the turmoil, everything that's been going on in this organization, you're gonna go out on the court and you're gonna say, Oh my god, I'm gonna take like I'm going to take shots from Kevin Durant. How's he going to feel about me as a teammate? How's he going to do this? How's he going to do that? I think they all want him to get to get on his good side to make sure that it's it, it's going to be cohesive, right? They don't want him to be mad. They don't want him to 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 start putting all the, all these impressions on, and then this team falls apart again. Because that's the biggest worry for me about this team is can this team really push everything aside? They haven't shown us in the time that they've been there that they are able to even be considered a title contender. Thought at this point. And can they actually put it together and and do it? And the one guy that I really think that can help this team is Beef Jerky Joe. It's Joe Harris. It is. And I think that if this team overall with Seth, him, um, you know, even guys like Patty Mills and Claxton, like the guys who are going to come off the bench and the guys who are going to make those big time shots when they need them to and the guys that they rely on. When KD and Kyrie aren't on the floor, stuff like that, it, it's the biggest thing. Because, you know, you look at Joe Harris, and he's pretty much a 15-point-per-game uh, career guy. You know, he makes like three to four threes a game. He shoots at a very high average, and he's just buckets. And that's what this league is, right? We You haven't had him um, basically for over a year now. And now he finally comes back into the rotation. And I think he's just going to be the X Factor to take that pressure off of K, KD and Kyrie, which you thought you had with Seth. He did a good job of that, but it felt like it was you were wondering where else is the scoring coming from? Who else is going to go out there and do it? And now you have guys like, like Ben Simmons that can create, get to the basket, draw defenders, dish out. It's going to come down to the guys that can actually make the shots because we know what Ben Simmons is going to be able to do. We know what his ceiling is. He's not going to, he's going to impact the game on the defensive side of the ball and also just with hustle playmaking. And, 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 and yeah, and playmaking. So um not saying that that's limited, but this is a scoring league at this fucking point. And it comes down to, we know what Ben Simmons is capable of. I just need to see that this bench is going to be able to be successful to to take some pressure off Katie and Kyrie. I'm going to say this right now, just so it's implanted in everybody's head. Watch out for this Brooklyn Nets team, right? And this isn't the 2021 Nets. This isn't the 2020 Nets. Watch out for this Nets team. And I'm just going to give you some names right now that may fly under the radar that could come back to bite a lot of people and a lot of teams down the stretch, right? This is a team with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, right? That's your big three. We'll say that. You bring back Seth Curry. You have Nick Claxton, another year of Nick Claxton, a stronger Nick Claxton, another guy, another year of understanding the game. You bring back Joe Harris. You bring in TJ Warren, who can play great minutes if he's healthy off the bench for your team. Patty Mills, a vet. Cam Thomas, Obviously, he had great minutes last year. He is He's going to have another year under his belt. Royce O'Neal, a huge player from Utah that they brought in before they knew that they were going to keep KD and Kyrie, and they brought him in as extra help. He was a starter in Utah on a, in, on a team that's had a lot of playoff experience. He might start. He very well might. Edmund Sumner. You, you, some say, okay, who's that? This guy played a lot of minutes for the Pacers when they were down bad. He played a lot of minutes. He has a lot of experience. 
You're getting an, you're getting another vet in Markeith Morris. This team is very deep. Do not sweep on the Brooklyn Nets. Do not sweep on them. Like I said, I think that they could definitely be. It's a Clippers situation. It's very similar to the Clippers for me, right? What have we seen from Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to to show us that they are championship contenders? Do I believe that they still could be? Hundred fucking percent. I'm not going to doubt Kawhi Leonard. You know what I mean? Just like I don't usually doubt uh, KD and Kyrie Irving. You know, the full season of him. But also at the same time, you have to look at the facts. You have to look at this past and what has really happened with this team. Can they really turn the turmoil around? Can they bring this back as a cohesive unit and play a full season at full capacity? I think obviously injuries will be a huge part. But I also think, like I said, I think the Clippers and the Nets are kind of a similar team this year where they're kind of, I don't want to say boom or bust, because I think at the end of the day that the the Nets and the Clippers are both going to be playoff teams. You know what I mean? But are they championship contenders? I think that's something that we're going to see pretty early on in the season, and we're going to see it develop throughout the season. Um, And we'll know by the playoffs, but as of right now. Yeah. As of right now, I just don't know if if we can sit here and say that, you know, the Nets are a playoff team. I'm sorry, a a title contender team. (sighs) You know what I mean? Like, what have we seen? We haven't seen any success from them. We've seen. They I know the foot the on the star line. Power, man. That's what. That's what. Does we thought it for that me. they had star power with James Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant. You know, it it just seems like the same story to me every single year with this team. And I'm getting. I'm just starting to get worried that you know, Kyrie has shown he can't do it on his own. Kevin Durant has shown he can't do it on his own. They haven't shown that they can do it together, right? So far, so it's just a matter of can this team really do it? Most of you, all right. This guy's fucking. This guy's hurting. This guy's doing Pilates. Kobayashi. Oh my god, not Kobe, not Kobayashi. Please, (laughs) please don't. Um, just let me know when that's good, and we'll we'll continue. We good? All right. So moving forward, um, where do you predict the Brooklyn Nets to finish this year, Ray? Based on the conversation we just had, we don't need to do a ceiling. Their ceiling could be number one. Their floor could be ten. Ten. It could. Uh, no, they're going to be a playoff team regardless. That's a playing team. That's a play. That could be a playing team, maybe. Okay. Um, where do you think the Nets realistically finish? I'm going to go first. You went first last time. I'm going to go number three. I think they finished third. Oh man. Uh, I'll say Milwaukee's better, but I think Boston will finish higher. I think the Sixers will. Um. Bucks. You already said you already said I Milwaukee. Did. Yep. Milwaukee. Boston. Boston. Sixers. I don't know if I can get behind the Sixers. I, I I'm not like Cleveland, that. You know what I mean. Possibly Cleveland. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go five. Five? All right. I'm gonna go three for the Nets. Um I'm excited for the NBA season. That's gonna be that's gonna be fun. Um and just uh just to wake everybody up to the favorite right now. To win the NBA championship, I can't believe this. Do you know who it is? Oh, uh, it's the Bucks, right? No. What? I could have sworn it was the Bucks. I don't think so. NBA Finals twenty twenty three. I know it's not the Warriors. I know they're like three or four or something. The Grizzlies are they really? Yeah. Do you know who it is? Oh, uh, is it the Nuggets? Oh, actually, right now, right this second. Here we go. So if I went on DraftKings right now, because it's different. Yeah. It's different in a different spot. And I want to go back to who it was, the highest odds. 
if I went back to this right now. Ready? If I go DraftKings Sportsbook, I go to the NBA. I go to Futures. The favorite to win the NBA championship right now. The, the Los Angeles Clippers. That's actually not a bad. The Clippers are plus five fifty. They are the highest or lowest odd team in the mix. Would that does that surprise anybody? Yeah. Did you guys see this? Thing? Because I mean, there's three on uh, there's three on Fanduel. Giannis shot six of twenty one from the field with twenty six points. Wow, that's that's impressive. What was it? Yeah, that's, that's what I was huge. saying. He, he looked. Huge. He looked. I mean, he had a few plays right where. But I mean, that's everybody. That's why. That's, that's why. Giannis. I was, that's what I was trying to say. Is like Ben Simmons looked good last night. Like yeah. he he had a lot of good moments where he was making Giannis not get in rhythm, not get comfortable, and that's just what they need. Because like, I I don't know. Because obviously KD and Giannis play different games, right? They KD is going to get on the perimeter, do a jab, step back, fade away, and hit it. Right? Giannis is going to go to the basket, get in the paint, and try and get that way. So it's two different types of basketball, but um. Holy shit. The fucking Suns are one, two, three, four, five, six? Yep. What? I might have to put $1,000 in the mouse. The Los Angeles Clippers on DraftKings Sportsbook right now are the favorites to win the NBA Finals. Yeah. The Clippers are at plus 550. The Golden State Warriors are plus 600. The Celtics are plus 600. The Nets are plus 700. The Bucks are plus 800. The Suns are Bro, plus twelve. Take the Bucks plus eight hundred. The Sixers are plus fifteen. The Lakers are plus eighteen. The Nuggets are plus eighteen. The Miami Heat are plus two thousand. And I'll stop in a second. The Mavericks are plus two thousand. The Grizzlies are plus twenty two hundred. The Cavs are plus three thousand. The Pelicans are plus thirty five hundred. The Minnesota Timberwolves are plus thirty five hundred. And the rest is uh, the rest is history. Pretty different. I, I, well, the yeah, Chicago Bulls are plus sixty five hundred. Yeah, so here I'll say I'll say Fanduel's just so that we have a little bit of a comparison. Milwaukee's plus is the first plus five fifty. Then Boston at six hundred, Clippers at seven hundred, Warriors at seven hundred, Nets at nine hundred, Suns at a thousand, Sixers at thirteen hundred, Heat at sixteen, Nuggets at two thousand, Grizzlies at twenty four, Mavs at twenty seven, Lakers at twenty seven, Timberwolves at thirty three, wow. and the Cavs at thirty three. Bro, I'm I'm throwing money on the, the fucking Pelicans are fifty five hundred. I'm tempted. I'm, I'm tempted to throw bucks. some on the Lakers. Yeah, bro, I'm bro, I'm throwing I'm throwing ten on the Pels. Give me like five to ten on the Wolves, and give me five to ten on the Lakers, and give me like five to ten on the fucking. Give me Nugs. some, yeah. Give me some on LeBron James. Give me some on the Nugs, dude. Well, couple little, chicken little Jamal nugs, Murray yeah. healthy, little MPJ healthy, little yeah, milk. yeah. I I don't. Hate I can't it. believe they're that low. Dude, the fact that the Bucks are third or fourth that you just fucking said, they're over 600 odds, you should take that now. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, but that is the NBA, uh, and there's just there's just a lot to talk about. When does about. it start? Next week? Yeah, next Wednesday. So maybe we'll do maybe we'll do our full yeah. rankings or yeah. predictions. Draymond does rejoin the team, and that's an ugly situation. Um, but let's wrap this up with some football, all right? Um, Holy shit! I forgot that's going yeah, on. Yeah, I get, I get. It's a sorry for anybody who's still here. It's a long podcast, but that's that's what you get sometimes. Oh my so God, we're over an hour already. We haven't yeah. even talked about football. Who the yeah. fuck are we? Uh, we're we're guys that like to talk about sports. Are we doing the radio? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna do the radio. Yeah, there he is. Um, 
let's go. Let's roll through some things here. Um, I don't. I, I only want to talk headlines, right? Like, there's you know, there's a lot of things we could talk about. Um, I think Giants are just proving people wrong, man. They're just you know, they're just taking names and writing them down and fucking slapping people. I don't know. There's no other way to do, like. <laughs> Biggest headlines right now, I think. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know where to go. I think this week coming up is definitely uh, the Bills and the Chiefs game. Let's do a little. Let's do a little. We'll just preview every game and we'll just give our predictions. I think. I think that's that's the way we do it. You want to do that now? Well, because we're gonna probably do our, our, our yeah. picks on Sunday too. Fuck. Well, I think honestly, I think right now it's the Jets. I mean, the Jets go. <laughs> the fucking Packers could be a down worse than any other team in the NFL after this week Here. by losing to. When's the last time? The Jets and the Giants beat the same team in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, answer me that fucking question. This this is where I'll go. I'll give one thing that's really surprising me about each team right now. Okay, and I'll start with the Giants. Biggest surprise so far for me for the New York Giants uh, hasn't been Daniel Jones. Obviously, I mean that's a that's that's a given that he surprised <laughs> everybody. It's the it's the performance of the young guys on the offensive line. I think that's been it. Evan Neal really scared me to start. He's came around. Andrew Thomas is playing a great offensive line. I think that's the number one thing that's leading the Giants wins. Because if those two big fucks play well, guess who that opens up lanes for? The other big fuck. Yeah, that other big fuck. That the Hulk that runs around with a fucking four fucking three nine forty. And that's Mr. Saquon Barkley. So number one surprising thing for me so far for the Giants. Their defense has been very good. And actually I'll say two. Their offensive line and the adjustments that they make in the second half of football games, they in the it, during every halftime, they have been able to read what's going on and move on and be and play a completely different and better game in the second half of every game this season. Yeah, uh, I think, like you said, the biggest thing for me right now is how much people still have faith in the Packers. With what he's with what Aaron Rodgers is doing with his receiving core, against how much slander that the Giants are getting for being a fake four and one team, right? For having for Daniel Jones kind of having the same kind of thing, except not having a two headed monster in the backfield. That's my biggest takeaway, right? Aaron Rodgers. I've heard more about him and how the Packers are going to be fine. They're going to be a playoff team. They're going to be Super Bowl contenders. They'll pull it around. They'll figure it out. What the fuck has given you that mantra? One good game from Aaron Jones, a few good touchdown passes, and zero points in the second half against the Giants defense. Like I, I just I don't see it. I don't know if it's just because we 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 want to think that things can never change and we want to stick to where it is. I mean, fuck! Did you hear the girl, the, the lady today, who was saying that the Giants should go out and suck and play terrible on ESPN? Did you hear that? No, I didn't. I forget I didn't who hear it that. was, but they, I think it was on Get Up this morning or something. But. She was telling, she was like, oh, well, it doesn't help the, the progress if they get a lower or they get a bad draft pick. Like, you have to go out and, and be terrible and lose when they're four and one in the division. I mean, I just don't know what the thought process is between with what people are saying. Just look at it. Go with it. Fuck it. Right. I mean, you got you're starting to win games in the, like, oh, you're thinking of the long term is Daniel Jones long term. Who the fuck knows? It's his contract year anywhere. Why? Why not? Who you the fuck I mean? knows? Fuck knows. <laughs> it's just like, I, I just don't know what I hear from the media anymore. I really don't. I don't understand it. How can we sit here and say, after Daniel Jones and the Giants, 
go out. He has a gritty drive. He plays with a bum ankle. He looks tough. He fucking scrambles out of the pocket. He has good passes. Saquon runs the football well. They make halftime adjustments. Brian Dable's playing or coaching the team fucking better than anyone else. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't look like he wants to smile when he goes on the football fucking field. And we're talking about the Packers being more of a playoff team than the Giants are right now. I just don't get it. I truly don't get it. On how what we've seen so far this season, it can tell you that. Last thing for me is two things. One, there was a tweet that I was looking for. The Giants offense is ranked 18th in scoring, uh, which is which is clearly an improvement yeah. uh, from 31st the last two seasons. Um, but they are ranked 6th in the NFL in second-half scoring. That is the biggest eye-opener to me, is the fact that this, yeah, this coaching long, system yeah. can now go into the locker room at halftime and say, hey, they make adjustments. They they, they probably talk to the guys upstairs and they say, "Hey, what plays look like they worked the best for you? What did we miss? What what guys did we miss downfield? You know, what plays could, you think we can run again and execute it the same exact way, and they won't see it coming." I think that you know, the, like you said, their their halftime adjustments have been just absolutely unreal so far. Um, and then give Darius Slayton the football more. He needs to be a bigger part of the offense. That's it. That's all I got for the Giants, though. Okay. Yeah. Same here. Um, I mean, there's a lot of fucking routes we can go with the Jets. There's a lot. I think the number one thing for me, dude, is keep, stay on a steady pace to make Brees Hall your best player. Seriously, I think he is going to be so good for the New York Jets. And all I look at when I see uh, Brees Hall is just young Le'Veon Bell. That's all I see, dude, is the pass-catching abilities, the, the shiftiness, the ability to kind of be patient. The burst when he needs to have the burst, the running abilities. I mean, I see when I look at Brees Hall right now, all I see is a younger version of Le'Veon Bell. I think that you have to keep, I I like what they're doing right now. They're not overdoing one, underdoing the other. They're, They're making both work and they're using them both very, very well. What is, what is Hall good for? He's good at playmaking big plays and being able to do something in open field. They're using both of them to their, to their best abilities because what's Michael Carter good at getting short yard downs, getting, moving the chains on third and one second and short, getting the ball in the end zone, right? They're able to use these guys to the best of their abilities. And that's what we thought the Packers were going to be able to do this year with their two, with their two running backs, right? You even look at what the chiefs do with, with McKinnon and, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, you have a speed guy, and you have a guy that's going to ground and pound, but he can also do a lot of the other things, more of an all-around and a speed guy. Um, so I feel like, obviously, I think that Brees Hall has shown that he has more star potential right now than Michael Carter, so I agree with you. They He needs to at least be the number one back, and then just keep doing what you're doing right now. Um, Zach Wilson, continue to not turn the football over as much as you have, throw the football well, and you know surprise us all. I mean, they just put up 40 fucking points. I don't, I, I don't care if they have their third-string quarterback in. They they weren't missing anybody on the defensive side of the football. The Dolphins. I don't know if you knew that, but um, no one seems to be talking about that. Um, and, and that for me, you know, even if your third string quarterbacks putting them out there on the field more often, I mean, forty fucking points to the Jets. If you told me that before the season started, uh, when's the last time the Jets scored forty? As I, I need to know that answer, right? So, I think that the uptrend is here for the Jets. I think Zach Wilson is definitely going to be their guy. I think he's going to get better as the season goes on. 
Uh, and this young, like I said, I said it before the season started, I think really in two to three years, this team will be really competing and be a really scary team. I, I tend to agree. Especially um, with that. We didn't even talk about their, you know, a top, top tier cornerback duo in the league that they have over there on the defensive side of the football. It just feels good. It does. It feels I, good. I like, I loved watching. I love seeing my dad's teams play well. You know what I mean? As long with mine, I love seeing my dad because my dad's been through it. He said Jets. And I know there's some of you out there right now that are these fans. It's Jets, Knicks, and Mets. He just went through hell with the Mets, right? We don't know how the next season's going to go. Give him a little bit of hope, right? Give him, a, give him a franchise quarterback in Zach Wilson. Give him, a, give him the second coming of Chris, Christian McCaffrey and Brees Hall. Or fuck it, go out and get Christian McCaffrey because the Panthers are probably doing a fire sale. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't really have anything to say about the Bills. They they don't like to they don't like to win. They like to kill. They do. That's it. I mean, that's but that's what worries me about this week, and that's why um, as of right now, I'm leaning Chiefs, just because I think this game's going to be close, and I and I need to see them kick a field goal instead of go for it on fourth fucking down and come out with zero points four times in the game instead of having twelve more points than they did losing by three. You know what I mean? It's just I need to see improvement. I think the Bills are definitely a powerhouse and one of the top top three teams in the league right now. Um. Who's your best team in the NFL right now? I guess what? Well, I think we end there. Bills. Uh, I think there's. I think if the Bills and the Eagles went and battled right now, I think the Bills would have their hand and they would, they would do the dance. I think the I think the Chiefs would give more of a fight to the Bills than the Eagles would. I think it's those the Eagles, three teams. Yeah, the, the I think Eagles, could, yeah. the Chiefs, and the Bills are the three best teams in football. I just need to see. The, I need to see the Eagles beat like another top tier team. Like yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna see the Chiefs and the Bills go at it this year or this week, and we're gonna see who comes out. Right? We thought we were watching that with the fucking Bucks and Packers. Look how that turned out. Yeah, it was like two uh, Packers got or the Bucks got blown up by a fucking clips. Dying. Okay, we're dead. Dying. We're dead. All right. So, just final thoughts, man. Uh, just final thoughts on everything. I got one. And it, this one, this is a uh, message to Yankee fans. Okay, stop saying "Go Mariners." I want the fucking Astros. I want them. Well, I'm not scared of them anymore. They're up two zero. I want them. They're up two zero. Yeah. Going to going to Seattle. I see too much like, oh, go Mariners. Like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, go Mariners. Sure, but I want another. Day. I want to go pound those guys. Like, I want. I want. I want a battle. Did you say you want to go pound those guys? Fuck you, bro. Fuck you. I had to point it out in translation. Translation. Um, translation. Other things. Um, back on the radio, like you said. Back on the radio. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, I think that that was my biggest message. I, I just am fucking in Yankee mode. Um, mine's going to be this. Uh, obviously, if you're still here and you are, oh, I don't know if you'll even see this footage, but I am still wearing, I'm wearing an Ohio State sweatshirt. Why is that? You might ask. Because all my other teams fucking suck. Okay. I got fucking the Red Sox didn't even make the playoffs. The Mavs are everybody's counting them out. They're not even calling them championship contenders at this point. Besides my guy Riv over Pick a Side podcast, and I respect that. And then don't get me started on what I have to watch week in, week out, letting Russ cook, letting this man say Broncos country, let's ride after a loss and walk out of the press conference. I went as far as to change my fantasy football team name in our fun day league from Broncos countries, let Broncos country, let's ride to Broncos country. Let's die. Right. That's where I'm at. I have to sit there and watch Russell Wilson and watch the Broncos on eight primetime games in the first five weeks, which doesn't even make fucking sense. 
And I don't get how they, I know we thought that they were going to be good, but make a change. Throw them in a one o'clock window so I don't have to sit there and fucking just sit there and watch this pain. Make it go away. And Russ, love of God, turn around and we're going to fucking trade you back for Drew Locke next year. <laughs> Kirk Cousins is 6-0 and in Thursday Night Football. He may be the best Thursday Night Football quarterback. Oh, yeah. What did I say? Kirk Cousins. Oh, shit. Carson Wentz is the best um, Thursday Night Football quarterback to ever exist. 6-0 and with 1,500 yards, six tuds, and no interceptions. Washington money line tonight. Yeah. Uh, so bet the, bet the commanders... Uh, yeah, other than that, minus I'm one. I th- actually, I think minus one is a is a better bet. Yeah, bet the Commanders. Bet Carson Wentz over on the yardage. Let's go watch some shit football, huh? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> as always, make sure you always don't forget to don't forget don't forget. There it is. To what the fun days roll. <laughs>